Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I am Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through four media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, via our magazine, and now video channel. They are now all available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Each month, We touch more than one million small business leaders through our various channels. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay to be on this program, but rather our editors and readers identify them. We also identify the topics of possible interest for our audiences. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. Our first guest is Tom Peterson. Tom, welcome to the program. Hi, Don. Thank you for having me. Well, Tom, as we ask all guests um, uh, before we start, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are now. Hi. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, uh, as far as my background, my background in uh, my industry is healthcare, and I've been involved in healthcare for probably well over 25 years, starting at uh, very entry level positions um, and moving up the ladder through various organizations. Um, my my what has helped me, I think, get to this point of where I am today is. Uh, just a combination of experiences, both good and bad, that um, have helped shape my decision-making and the culture that um, I've tried to create in my company. All right. But what companies have you been with? Um, I've I've worked for um, large health plans. I'm, uh, I'm based in Southern California, so I've worked with large health plans in California, large hospitals in California. Um, I've worked with provider groups um, located uh, throughout the state. So I've, I've touched many, many areas of, of health care um, in terms of, of identifying members with chronic conditions and, and trying to feed that information up through the appropriate channels through the health care uh, continuum. Okay. And uh, you're running a company right now. I am. I am. I manage a company. Uh, we have 25 employees, 
And we began the company about seven years ago, and uh, it's been a very, very exciting, um, exciting uh, endeavor um, in terms of building culture and um, uh, just learning how we can provide value to the healthcare industry. Well, what's the name of your company? Uh, what does it do? The, the name of my company is called Clear Vision Information Systems, and what we do is our, our, we handle uh, health information for Medicare Advantage members. So um, this is a subset of the Medicare population. You know, as we all know, when you turn 65, you're eligible to enroll in Medicare. Well, Medicare also offers you another option. It's sort of a Medicare HMO, and it's called Medicare Advantage. Inside that industry, we process and analyze healthcare information on well over 2 million members every month, and we provide that information back to our clients, be it a provider group or a health plan, in identifying the chronic conditions that these members have. The, the intent is to ensure that these members with all these chronic conditions get reassessed every single year by their providers. And, and we've, we've made very, very significant impacts in terms of continuity of care and the member experience with these health plans well, and providers. Well, uh, we, we want to talk today uh, about uh, um, uh, how you build an organization. Uh, small businesses can't um, make too many mistakes when it comes to people. And that's what you wanted to talk about. So what are your thoughts in that area? Well, as much as we try not to make mistakes, unfortunately the truth is we do. And um, the, the great thing is, on the other side of that, is we also learn from those mistakes. So one of the things that, that we decided to set out when we uh, began to build this company was we wanted to build a company in which we would uh, sort of give our employees the opportunity to share their input. I think one of the things that have made us so successful is that our entire goal is to always do the right thing, whether that was not to the benefit of the company or, or it was. We always try to do the right thing, and we encourage the employees to participate in that entire process. So whether I'm looking at uh, some kind of problem with a client or um, it's an internal problem that we have. Whatever the best outcome is what we try and do. Um, the, the empowerment of the employees is what really makes us succeed. You know, I'm, I started out with a really good idea. I sat down, I wrote a business plan. Um, the very first year we hit every single number that we set out in our plan, so we knew we had a good idea then to grow it from that point on, we needed to bring on people that we, number one, could trust, and they also shared the same values that we shared. I think that, you know, as entrepreneurs and small companies, we all sort of have this sort of innate spirit that where we believe in ourselves. And in order to grow our businesses, we need to find people who sort of embrace and mimic that same philosophy. I, you know, I can teach people my industry, but I cannot teach integrity. So you either have it or you don't. And so one of the challenges that we 
seen or we've experienced as a company is trying to find those right individuals. And when you do, they're little nuggets of gold. And we have assembled a fantastic team of people here at our company. I'm very, very proud of the staff that we have. Um, they work together um, in ways that just some days just totally blows me away. Uh, okay, um, you're a positive. Uh, what are some of the mistakes you've made along the way? Well, you know, um, not trusting your gut. You know, with as a as an entrepreneur, there are certain things that that we know when we get started, and we also know that there's things that we don't know. So, for example, my background in the um, sales and marketing area, I'm not. That's not my expertise. I'm technical. Um, so when, when you're going through this, this process, I think some of the mistakes that entrepreneurs can make is that you're relying, you're bringing in people in, into your company, into your organization to help you grow your business. And sometimes I didn't trust my gut early enough in the game to say, wait a minute, this does not seem right. And, um, and one of the things I've learned over time is I, my gut's pretty good. I have a, I have a pretty good uh, barometer in terms of if I think something is, is going to turn out in a good way or not. And so some of the mistakes I've made is that, that uh, I've waited too long thinking things were going to turn around, and they, I, sh- I should have acted faster. But, again, I learned um, from it. Well, hopefully we all learn. Um, I've made mistakes, but thank God a few have I made a repeated mistake. But, you know, uh, hiring people is oftentimes a a gut reaction, and we tend to hire um, uh, in our own image. How do you uh, uh, overcome that, uh, that idea that they have to be in your image? Well, I think one of the first things that we look for in people is do the people um, uh, share our same, I want to say, integrity? So we try and find people that come from the healthcare industry because that's where we operate. And oftentimes interviews begin over just casual lunches. And for me it's really important to get to know the person as a person, not as someone doing a job because just because they're doing a job at their, their current employer today, if they come join my organization, they may or may not be doing the exact same thing. So for me, it's really important to find out what's their character. Do they, you know, do they have the same kind of integrity that I have? And do they have the same um, energy? And could I trust them in front of a client? And, and that's really where all of this begins. Our, our hiring process is relatively slow. We do take our time to bring people on because we're very protective about our culture. And the, the worst thing that, that any organization can do is bring somebody on, um, and that, that culture and that trust can be uh, turned upside down so quickly, and it's very difficult to get that, uh, that situation turned around. So we do act really, really slow in that regard. Well, let me ask you. Is important. How, how do you how do you find that uh, go to that integrity level? Do you have certain questions you ask? 
you know, it's again, it's your gut. It is, as people, we know the difference between right and wrong and good and bad. And I think it's just a series of conversations, very casual, where people get to know, you get to know people and they also get to know you. Because, again, this is also a two-way street. You know, if you're bringing on somebody to your organization, they're going to be leaving some job that maybe they like. And the worst thing that any employer could do is to bring on a, a, a new employee and have them come to your organization and have them not be happy because maybe this wasn't what they actually thought they signed up for. So it's really a lot of back and forth dialogue and bottom line, it's really trusting your guts. Well, um, uh, we have a very interesting next guest coming on. I was wondering, would you mind staying on and listening and uh, if you have some comment uh, joining us? Absolutely, I'd love to. Well, uh, I want to bring in our next guest, who is Steve Cohen. Steve, are you with us? I am with you, and I've been enjoying listening. Well, um, Steve, uh, as I ask all guests, you have a very interesting topic. But uh, before you get, we get into this, and, and I think it goes to, to somewhat to, to what... Uh, was just said, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, uh, before we get into your topic. When I finished law school, I spent about a dozen years in politics and government, including several years as the Washington lobbyist for the city of Boston. Then I got involved as a commercial real estate developer and did that for, again, about a dozen years. Um, negotiating a lot with lenders, clients, uh, tenants, all kinds of people. And then I started the Negotiation Skills Company, which was an international consulting firm, still is an international consulting firm, that mentors and coaches mostly corporate clients in the process of negotiation. Well, you know, at Harvard Business School, they have a course, Teaching the Sharks to Bite, um, it, it's the negotiation course, and I, I found that um, uh, my wife went to Harvard B School, but I found that course the most interesting one that she she did. Um, the name, the topic that brought you to my attention uh, is when when let me just say it uh, precisely. Um, uh, uh, and I, I lost it, but uh, when the uh, client uh, asks for cha for changes, you you have a contract that we used to think contracts were sacrosanct, but they don't seem to be. So, Steve, why don't you just address the issue uh, in your own words? Because that's why I asked you on the program. Right. The 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 problem is that in different markets and in different cultures, uh, well. Uh, let's say Western culture thinks of as a deal being a deal is not necessarily the case. And what you need to do, no matter whether you're discussing things or negotiating things with your teenager or someone from a different uh, culture, uh, figure out whether they are indeed going to make a deal with you and then commit to fulfilling it or whether they're going to try to weasel out of it in some way uh, later on, if they don't see if they don't see themselves getting what they want. 
So you have to have ways of measuring during the negotiation process whether the party with whom you're discussing things is likely to be serious or is likely to be wandering around and coming back and saying, well, I really didn't mean that. So that the discussion of integrity that we've just been, you know, hearing is is really very, very much on point because integrity really means what you see is what you get. And in negotiation, that's really one of the concerns that people should have. Well, how do you... Uh, how do you... Uh what are the markers that can give you some hint in this area? If, for example, you know something to really be true and the person with whom you're dealing says exactly the opposite or misrepresents something that you know is misrepresented, that certainly gives you an idea of their credibility, whether they're telling the truth or not. You can also keep a record by taking notes during the negotiation process so that you have a sense of what kind of agreements have been made, what kind of sub-agreements have been made as you go through it, and see whether folks keep their word as things go forward. If you have a negotiation that, for example, goes over an extended period of time, not just you know a couple of minutes or a couple of hours, but may require revisiting over days or weeks or even months, you can see whether the person or the parties with whom you're negotiating continue to hew to the agreements that they've made or whether they start changing or attempting to change the past. Those are good points. Could you go on with that? Because uh, uh, I've learned over the years, uh, uh, and I've had you know, contracts broken, uh, um, uh, I've been hurt by it. Can you go on? Because I know uh, small businesses uh, that I talk to often say, we, we agreed to this, but they wanted that afterwards. Can you go yeah. on a little bit deeper into that? Well, it, it's something that, that, that can drive you really crazy. Figuring out at what point someone has crossed a line is critical in and of itself. Uh, negotiators talk about what's called the BATNA, the best alternative alternative to a negotiated agreement. It's where you draw your line. Um, you know, there's the old Kenny Rogers song called The Gambler, and part of the lyrics say, you have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. So you need to think about your options when you're negotiating with a party and say, well, what if this thing heads south? It doesn't work. What can I do instead? And if you understand what your choices are, what your BATNA is, then you know at what point you have to say, okay, this is not going anywhere. I'm out of here. So that's one piece of it. The other is to understand what the rules are, what the choreography of negotiation is in different kinds of markets so that one could argue that dealing with someone who, or, or working with someone who sells used cars, you have one kind of set of expectations. When you're negotiating about the purchase of a house, perhaps the market is somewhat different in terms of representations and people delivering what they say they're going to deliver. So you need to understand what is the market in which I'm working. 
what can I expect in terms of the credibility, the honor, and the fulfillment that the other side is likely to come across with? Well, um, uh, you have a book on this subject, don't you? I do indeed. It's called The Practical Negotiator. And it has advice questions from people in more than 30 countries as well as about 25 of the United States asking how do they negotiate their way out of a situation into which they've gotten themselves or into which they have fallen. And the book uh, is all kinds of negotiation experiences from a broad range of places and a broad range of subject matter areas and it gives you a sense of what kind of possibilities there are for dealing with this. It's, it's aimed at empowering people who are not corporate titans or international diplomats or what have you. Uh, Tom, do you want to jump in here and say uh, uh, what your experiences have been? Well, you know, being in healthcare, we're a very heavily regulated industry. So. Um, we have a lot of federal rules that have to be in place in all of our agreements. But we do get the occasional um, request to modify something that has never been asked before, whether it was the, the interest rate on a past-due uh, invoice or to um, lengthen the, the number of days in which to, uh, to pay our, our invoices. Uh, but, you know, we've seen, you know, all kinds of, of items happen you know, uh, over the years uh, to, um, I guess what I'm saying is that we've, we've seen clients actually violate some of the terms of the, our contracts and we had to sit down and make the calculated decision, is this a deal breaker or not? And in the big picture, you know, if a client asked for additional work that wasn't a part of the normal agreement, we sat down and we decided, well, it was probably in our best interest to provide those additional services that they're asking for because in the grand scheme, um, it was better to keep a client than to lose a client. Yeah, there's, there's actually a point. I, I like, like the way you've said that. Um, a lot of people in service industries realize that you have to give more than you are being paid for in order to maintain your reputation as a value adder and Absolutely someone that we're right. doing business with. And the long-term relationships that we develop in uh, service industries, and that even includes retail businesses, um, really depend upon the long-term expectations that our customers or our clients have that we're going to give what we say we're going to, and hopefully their expectation will be, okay, if these guys come across, then I better do so as well. Uh, we have one more guest joining us uh, right now. I'd like to bring him in, if you don't mind. It'll be a pleasure. Yep. Hi, are you there? Yes, uh, this is our, Dusty. Our next guest, please introduce yourself. Yeah, this is Dusty Eber. How are you? Good, and how are you today? welcome to the program. Great. Thanks for having me on. Well, um, I wanted to bring you in at this point because I, I know you've been uh, holding for a little bit. Uh, right now we're talking about integrity and contracts, and I'm going to ask you, Steve, do you mind hang, hanging on a while longer? 
uh, perfectly fine, yes. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. In, from, a, from a business standpoint? You, from personal first, and then we always go into the business side. Okay, excellent. Um, I uh, have... Uh, Sorry, can you guys hear me? Yes. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, I'm uh I'm uh married, kids, family. Um that's uh that's the primary uh focus and uh also a uh, big entrepreneur um and uh love uh being involved in uh many different businesses. Well, uh, we welcome you to the program, and before we'll continue on with the uh, with the integrity and and uh, contract, and then uh, talk to, talk about you a little bit uh, further into the program. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you. Well, uh, Steve, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, many small businesses deal with large corporations, and what we've been we we do focus groups on a regular basis. And what we heard is that a lot of small businesses uh, are getting more demands from larger, uh, from their larger customers, even after they negotiated the contract. How do you uh, go about um, dealing with such a situation? This is this is a problem that that goes on in all kinds of circumstances. Uh, Large businesses try to take advantage of their vendors in in some pretty ugly ways, and the first thing is to recognize what you're getting into when you want to do business with another company, whether they're big or or small, and think about you know your history with them or companies like them, and what you stand to gain and what you stand to lose by being engaged uh, in negotiation or potentially doing business with them. The, the problem is that folks think that something is on offer but don't necessarily understand what it is. So that, you know, you have one side saying, well, the agreement means X, Y, and Z, and the other side thinking the agreement means A, B, and C. And so if they shake hands on a deal, they haven't got a deal. But part of the thing is that the big companies, and I hate to generalize like this, but very often they will say, okay, these guys are small, they need us, let's shaft them, let's take what we can from them. And that's very short-term thinking because you really cannot succeed over the long term if you keep uh, disadvantaging or even worse, putting out of business, folks that you need to supply you with goods or services to go forward over the long long haul. So a small business really has to look at itself and say, I'm not necessarily in a weak position. I have something to offer that others can't, that others can't do as well. And because that's the case, I should not feel as if I am at a total and complete disadvantage. But that takes a certain amount of self-confidence. It takes doing a lot of homework, but it also takes understanding of who you are, 
what your interests are, what you have to offer, and why the other side needs you. That's very interesting. I'd like to chime in on that, to to tag on to what what Steve just said. You know, um, uh, being as small business as we are, we we have experienced things like that. And I think one of the things that we've taken advantage of in scenarios like that is because we're a small company, I can do things so much quicker than other companies can do. And so I do, what I try to do is I try to, to turn that around into a, a positive negotiating uh, point when we do have these discussions with some of these larger companies that really do look at themselves as the, the uh, big gorilla and um, I can use that as, as my negotiating tool to sort of like hold my position um, with them. And, and, that's, and, and, and we can. We, we can move pretty quick. So that, that's one of the peculiar uh, things that small companies can do is that they can turn on a dime if need be. Right. Which is a tremendous advantage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you might also want to think about in, in this situation I don't know if anybody else here has ever had teenage children, but teenagers will often ask the parent a question, and your point is, and they're sneering at you, basically. But when you're in negotiation, you need to have an understanding of what is my point and what is the point of the party that's negotiating with me. Mm-hmm. It's very true. So why am I here is really a critical question. What do I want? What do I need? What do they want? Why are they negotiating with me? If they've chosen to negotiate with you, you know, the, the big gorilla, as, as I think Tom said, um, the, the big gorilla has come to you for a reason, because they think that there's something good about you. That's very, very true. Uh, uh, will our uh, last guest uh, want to comment on that? As a serial entrepreneur? Yeah, um, thanks. Um, you know, we, we see that, um, we see it every day, and uh, one of the great things about um, being a small business um, is uh, we're in the, in the healthcare market, and uh, you see uh, a lot of uh, very large companies, um, and by us being on the smaller side, uh, we are able to uh, adapt um, and uh, switch gears when needed, um, which is uh, a big help um, in terms of us uh, carving out uh, market share. But uh, let me let me ask you a question. But as a small business, if you're dependent, if if the the big company is your um, biggest uh, um, uh, source of income, uh, don't you feel a little vulnerable uh, when, when they come back and demand? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, but, um, you know, what we see is that if you, from a product standpoint, uh, if you have a differentiator um, and that you stand out uh, in the marketplace, uh, you need to know where your your threshold is in terms of 
uh, pricing and uh, capabilities. And um, you might not be able to uh, put your hat in the ring for everything, um, but, uh, you know, you sure do your best. Well, um, what is your company now? We have a company called Patient Style, and we manufacture uh, hospital gowns. And uh, hospital gowns um, have not really changed in about 100 years uh, or more. Um, You know, there's an iconic image of uh, Jack Nicholson in a hospital gown with his backside exposed. Uh, in the movie, something's got to give, and um, you know that uh, that kind of shows a lot of what uh, the hospital gown industry is still today. So three years ago, uh, we brought uh, what we would say is a more revolutionary type of a product in terms of modesty, dignity, and comfort. Um, so you don't see your uh, backside exposed, and um, you know there's a real uh, comfort uh, in terms of wearing the product. So um, there's a lot happening today in in healthcare around patient experience, patient satisfaction. Um, so we're playing, um, you know, really helping the hospitals. Um, achieve um, better scores when it comes to the surveys uh, that patients actually uh, fill out. So that's the the 30-second version. Any questions I can answer for you? Well, I have a lot of questions. Uh, We have an interesting mix today, Um, uh, and I see our uh, last guest uh, is waiting um, are, are you the gentlemen all uh, patient enough to um, bring, uh, stay on while I bring on our la- uh, last guest? Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I'm finding this fascinating. I hope um, our audience will uh, as well. So stand by one minute. Welcome to the show. This is Don Mazzella. We're here with a, a wide range of uh, people. Uh, please introduce yourself. Yeah, this is Todd Patkin. How are you, Todd? Good. Very, um, very good, Don. How are you doing? Fine. We're talking about integrity, about uh, contract negotiation, about small business and health care. But uh, we always ask uh, Todd, uh, our guest, to say a little bit about their personal background, and, uh, uh, and we want you to join this roundtable discussion. So, uh, well, my my background, my background really is in motivation and morale. I went into my family business. We had 16 stores at the time, doing about 18 million in sales, and I was able to really grow it through hiring amazing young women and men um, in auto parts. And uh, we took most of our stores, believe it or not, from around 36,000 a month to closer to 120,000 a month, increasing the gross profit. And it was just through tremendous employee morale, building up our people, uh, letting our people know how much we love them, how special they were, doing very unique 
uh, things to, to make them feel appreciated. And then we brought it on to the customers as well. So I'm really on the morale, uh, motivation, and customer end. Okay. Um, uh, our, our first guest talked about um, uh, choosing uh, uh, choosing staff and uh, focusing on integrity. What do you? What are the the elements that you um, uh, look for in an employee as a well, small business leader? Well, first and foremost, you need someone who's really honest. You need someone who's incredibly positive because, uh, you know, everybody around you is affected by your energy. Are you up, are you down, how are you feeling? So we want positive people, honest people, want people who are willing to go the extra mile. Um, those are really the, the, the kind of people that you want. But, again, so much of it is the way you treat them. Uh, too many people these days, too many managers are looking to find fault with people. You know, boy, uh, you know, they do ten things right, they do one thing wrong, and you're jumping on that one thing. It should be the opposite. You should be building your people up. When they do things right, you should be building them up, letting them know how great they are. And they'll continue to want that praise, because in America today, most of us aren't getting praise, certainly not from our kids. Our kids are too smart to tell us how great we are. They want us to feel guilty that we could be better, so that we keep bringing them to Disney every year and getting them gifts. And I think at home... Uh, we don't really build up our spouses enough, so at work, it's the one place if you build your people up, they're starving for that attention. They'll do more and more and more. And I have all sorts of examples that I can give you of ways to build your people up. Well, I, I want to get to that a little bit later, but uh, uh, Steve, uh, I want to ask you a question. In big companies, um, uh, you, you've dealt with uh, uh, John Smith this year, but it's uh, Joan uh, John James uh, this uh, uh, next year. How do you um, uh, maintain the contract um, and the contract uh, um, uh, uh, um, the spirit of the contract uh, when you're dealing with so many different people? To be perfectly honest, you don't always. Um, when people change, you know, when, the, when a position is filled by somebody new, in some companies, the new person feels an ego need to put their own mark on uh, how business is done. And they may turn out to be folks who don't want to do business with you. And that's an experience that I've certainly had, and I suppose others might have as well. But in order to fight that, in order to be prepared for that, what you've got to do is make it so that the organization with which you're doing business always understands that doing business with you is really in their favor and they've got they're going to have to jump through some very serious hoops to make a change because you're doing such a good job so it's a question of meeting their needs and perhaps beating their needs does anybody that, that's a that's a great answer does anybody want to Comment on that? This is Tom. I, to, just to sort of tack on to what Steve just said, I think as, as um, companies, whether it's Todd's company with auto parts or, or um, Dusty's with the um, hospital gowns, you're providing goods and services. And in order to succeed, the goods and services that we provide must meet or exceed the expectations of our clients. 
And any time that we can do that, we please them, and therefore the business continues and we, are, we, we can grow as a result of that. And, and as small companies, that's really, really important because that's the only way that we can grow. Another great comment. Anybody else want to say something? Or Okay, I'll t- t- toss another um, question out. What if you find, um, and I put it out generally, what if you find that uh, an employee is not living up to the contract and not living up to the expectations? How do you deal with a situation like that? It's really important to jump on it quick. Uh, we find, you know, we have a, a, a saying that um, most often people hire too fast and fire too slow because you have such a big heart. You know, you meet someone, you love them, you don't maybe do the proper research, you should always check references. And usually when you kind of get the gut sense that this isn't the right person, you stay an extra two or three months, and then when you do finally let someone go, you regret it. So as soon as you find that somebody isn't, putting in the full day's work or isn't doing the proper uh, training or, or hitting the numbers that, that that person should be hitting, it's very important to sit down with them. Don't let it lax. Be up front. Uh, you always want to be up front when they're doing good. Tell them how wonderful they are when they're doing well. But when they start to slip, you also need to be honest and up front so that they can correct their behavior. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I can, I can uh, speak firsthand to that. Uh, as as a growing company, as you bring people on, you bring people on with a certain kind of expectation, and when they exceed those expectations, we um, make it a point to uh, share their successes publicly with the rest of the staff so that pe- people can see that they too could also uh, benefit if they exceed expectations. And then occasionally when you do have that person who's not either hitting their numbers or for whatever reason, Maybe they're just not a, the right cultural fit. Um, it's important to have those dialogues early and upfront, and to document what you you talked about. But for the benefit of our audience, identify fire yourself, Tom, and your company again. And uh, uh, um, uh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, my company is called Clear Vision Information Systems, and we're a um, healthcare IT sort of data analytics uh, company. We provide uh, uh, clinical information to uh, health plans and physician groups and providers across the country. And um, uh, and we've been in business for a little over seven years now. Steve? Yes. Ask me the question <laughs> because I'm, I'm thinking so many things that I listen. My colleagues no, on the Please identify by yourself and your company. Well, we're midway into the program, and uh, I'd like to re- uh, remind our audience who's talking and what, uh, where okay. they're from. Well, I'm, I'm talking now as an author of a book called The Practical Negotiator, and the website is practicalnegotiator.com. Um, the book was many years in the contemplation and a very, very short time in the writing. And uh, its its motto is there's a hidden there's an inner negotiator in everyone. The practical negotiator helps you find it. Well, well I read the book and I learned a lot. So um, I, I, uh, I, I heartily recommend it. Um, 
Uh, uh, next guest, please identify yourself so that we, uh, for our audience again. Todd Patkin, my company uh, was Auto Part International. We sold it to Advance Auto Part in 2006. It was a family-run uh, auto part chain that had 61 stores at the time of selling. What are you doing now, Todd? I do. Uh, I teach people how to be happy, believe it or not. I write books and, and talk around the country on happiness, um, and it, it's been uh, quite quite exciting. Uh, do you have a book now? Yeah, well, I've got three books out. One is called Finding Happiness, One Man's Quest to Beat Depression and Anxiety and Finally Let the Sunshine In. I had a lot of success, but I also had a complete nervous breakdown at the age of 36. Um, and I was able to turn my life around by doing... Uh, you know, leading my life in a different way, being more positive, not being so hard on myself, being a lot easier on myself, doing a lot more exercise. There's certain things that most of us do habitually that tend to make us unhappy and, and, and anxious, and we really need to be aware of those things and try to do the opposite. And our last guest? Uh, Dusty Eber. Uh, the company is called Patient Style. And uh, we are manufacturers and distributors of patient gowns, hospital gowns. Um, and as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, uh, the hospital gown um, has been uh, something that has n not changed in, you know, well over probably 100 years. And so we brought... Uh, a very new uh, product to market, um, and we work with many of the major hospitals from the Stanfords of the world to the Mayo Clinics, um, and um, having a lot of uh, fun uh, bringing and feeling good about bringing a product to market uh, that the patients are using. Uh, they're very happy with it. Uh, and the caregivers on the nursing side are also uh, very happy uh, with the functionality and uh, the use of the product. Well, then let me ask you a question. You've int you're, you're introducing a uh, innovative innovative product. Uh, what were the, what was the one thing that made it a success, and what was the one mistake that you learned uh, from all of this? Well, our, so our team is from, uh, background is uh, more on the, uh, the retail side, manufacturing on the, um, focusing on the retail market, which is uh, what my background has been. Um, and I think the mistakes that we made um, were just not knowing healthcare, um, which is its own industry. Um, so there was a lot of learning. There was a, a big learning curve um, at the beginning, um, so that you know uh, slowed us down a little bit. Um, but today, you know, uh, we know quite a bit um, about uh, you know the healthcare market. So, in your second question, so, sorry. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let. I'll, I'll, I'll turn to Todd now and ask him what was the thing you learned and what was the, mis the biggest mistake you learned. Um, well, I think the the the, the, th the main thing I learned in business is it's all about people. 
Um, and that's why, as I said, there's so many different tricks. When I had someone who would do just a fabulous job, I'd actually call their house when I knew that they wouldn't be home and leave a message on their answer machine. It didn't cost me anything. And I'd tell the wife and the kids just how amazing Bill was. He just broke the all-time record in our company. When he comes home, give him a hug, give him a kiss. And Bill would tell you that, you know, to this day, that was better than any uh, bonus, any dollar bonus he ever could have received from me for what he did. Um, the biggest uh, mistake I made... Um, when I first went into the business, I was too gung-ho, and a lot of people quit because at the time they were work, you know, used to working 40 hours a week, and I came on board and said, we're going to work 50, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. I was 22 at the time, and we didn't have enough supervisors so that when they quit, we didn't really have enough people to fill our stores. It was incredibly um, stressful. So sometimes you go into a new environment, and you're fired up, but you really have to blend in a little bit before you uh, jump in with both feet and scare everybody. Steve? Yes. Experiences? The experiences, good and bad, you want to share? Well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go to um, one experience that talks about the issue of when people, uh, you know, different people fill a position with which you've been working. Um, a new guy came in to a client uh, who made it fairly clear from the day that we first met that he didn't really want to do business with us. And, but it took him three years to find a way to get rid of us. Um, but, you know, it's something that I saw coming, but it was still very disappointing uh, because I really, really liked the company with whom we were working at the time. So what you've got to do is sort of prepare yourself and think, well, what's the worst that can happen? What can I do to minimize the negative impact what can I do to minimize the likelihood that something nasty is going to happen? And it's, it's all a matter of preparation. One of the things that you, you do learn in negotiation is that the one commodity that's traded in every single negotiation is information. Whether you're learning about price, delivery, specifications, any of those kinds of things. And each party has to learn from the other and if you do learn then your understanding and your expectations are going to be far more realistic and more likely to yield you the result that you want uh, Tom any thoughts well I think for me personally some of the a mistake that we made was um, sort of like assuming that your client understood the value that you were bringing to them and it was obvious on our side, we just did not do a very good job of communicating that value to them. And, and so that's been a, a, a learning for us. And, and, and on the positive side, we learned from that. And now we've developed some additional reporting and enhanced um, uh, information so that we can actually hand information to our clients so that they can take it up through their chain of command and their organizations so that they can show the value of having us as a, as a vendor to help support them. All, all f five of the, four of those things are absolutely uh, tr tremendous. We're, we're nearing the end of the program. Um, uh, uh, we'll start uh, with Todd and uh, um, tell us a little bit, uh, tell us, um, 
what you, you would try to impart to a small business leader who's listening to this program um, that, that you feel are, are key to success? I think the most important thing is to figure out what your you know one-month goal is, what your six-month goal is, what your year goal is, and then break it down by person. And to really sit with your people, you know, let them know that they're the key to the company. Um, you know, you want to be successful, but they're the ones who are going to, going to, uh, in the end, uh, determine whether your company goes or not. And I'd be extremely generous monetarily. I mean, when I first came on to the company, there was an unwritten rule that nobody made more than forty thousand dollars, unless the other than the owners. So nobody was encouraged to do more. And I changed that. If the if the bottom line uh, was seventy thousand, gave them forty grand. I said, why shouldn't if we make a hundred and forty thousand? Why shouldn't they make sixty grand? Maybe not double their pay, but we can certainly amp it up. And frankly, within uh, three or four years, I had some people without college degrees earning a hundred thousand a year. But the bottom line, uh, you know, what th that they had to do in order to earn a hundred thousand uh, was so enormous that we wound up uh, raking in ninety percent of it. So it was so much better for us. So sometimes I think we don't understand that. Yes, um, the most important thing to motivate people is to build them up, let them know how much you appreciate them. But money, of course, still does talk, and people will work so much harder when they feel that there's a carrot out there than if, they, you know, if you have a, a cap. And too many times people feel like there's a cap to their money, or they don't really feel like they know how to earn more money. They don't really understand uh, how the pay plan uh, works. So make it very simple. That's good advice. Um, in the uh, you're now successful in the hospital gown area. What what would you impart to the um, um, to our audience? The um, one of the things that we try and do, um, and always hard um, in business, is to stay very focused. Um, so really be passionate, believe in what you're doing. Um, and stay the course um, even along the way um, you can get diverted and um, you know uh, make a turn here and there um, it's okay um, but as long as you're staying very focused on your plan and your strategy um, you're going to have success um, but it is you know can be a can be a tough road to get there. Well, let me ask you a question. You went from retail to a brand new area. Why did you do it? We did it um, because we had uh, we had produced uh, a product for many years um, that was um, a comfy, uh, cozy uh, pajama type of product. And uh, friends and family uh, were always asking, um, when you go to the hospital, why are the hospital gowns so bad? And uh, must be something out there from a product standpoint that you could make and produce that would satisfy the modesty, dignity, uh, comfort issues. And so that's why we jumped in because we saw that there was a real need in the marketplace. Tom, any last thoughts? 
Well, I think if, the, if there's any any one thing that I think I'd like to impart on on your listeners today is that as 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 all of us build our companies, I think the the foundation to everything that we do is is based on trust. So, is whether it's a you you need to trust in yourself and have confidence in what you're doing, because if you lack confidence in what you're doing, you're not going to succeed. So, so building building that trust with your staff so that your staff sees that you've got a plan and a direction. You know, this sort of, I think, uh, it, it tags on to what uh, Dusty just said. So if you can share that, that direction with your staff and bring them with you, that will help you succeed. And that's not always easy to do because some, that's not, they don't have a class in that in college on how to bring your people along with you. And so it's, a, it's really sort of a process. And I really think that that's important, and that has been one of the, the key um, uh, things we've worked on in our company that has helped us succeed. Steve, you get the last word. I'll keep it simple. Treat every negotiation as an episode in an ongoing relationship. That is simple. Um, gentlemen, I, I really appreciate the, your time uh, t- today, I hope our audience did as well. I know I learned a lot, and uh, uh, it- it's nice to to, he- to hear comments from uh, uh, successful people like yourself. Uh, I'll give uh, one more chance each of you to tell uh, tell um, uh, your your website and your company so that uh, our audience knows who the- who were um, uh, who who they were listening to. There's an old adage in uh, uh, news, tell them what you're going to say, say it, and tell them, then tell them what you've said. So please, we'll start with you, Steve. Um, your, your book, your website, uh, for our audience. The book is called The Practical Negotiator, and the website is practicalnegotiator.com. Duffy? It's... Uh patientstyle.com and if any of the listeners have any questions it would be info at patientstyle.com is our email uh, Todd we didn't get to hear all of your uh, uh, all of your uh, thoughts on it um, but uh, uh, tell people how they can reach you sure you'd want to go to my website www. T-O-D-D-Patkin.com. I have all my speeches, my books there. You can always go to uh, Amazon.com to buy the book. Um, and and uh, it's all about the book has a lot of uh, how to build the business as well. So it's called Finding Happiness, One Man's Quest to Beat Depression and Anxiety and Finally Let the Sunshine In. I also have a boot camp available on Amazon. Uh, 12 weeks to finding happiness boot camp but that's that's the place www.toddtodd.com and uh, Tom you started the program so you can finish it all right well thanks thanks Don um, the name of my company uh, is clear vision information systems and our website is c charlie v victor infosys.com that's cvinfosys.com Gentlemen, again, thank you. I, I know I know our audience will really uh, really enjoyed hearing it because you, you did tell us an awful lot. 
Thank you again. Thanks, Don. Great. Thanks, Thank Don. you, Don, and to all of my new friend, colleagues and friends. Thank you. You know, Will Rogers had a great uh, saying, there are no strangers, only friends I haven't met. That's a great one. Thanks. There you go. Okay, Thanks. bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.